Okay, so Ephesians chapter number six, uh, this message is entitled How to Identify Upsetters. If you're, gonna, if you're going to be uh, someone who has had their life turned upside down by Jesus Christ, you're going to uh, live an upset life, then you're going to be an upsetter. You're going to be a person in the kingdom that, that upsets the world. And so I'll give you my definition. I've come up with a definition for the word upsetter uh, in this context, and I'll give it to you uh, shortly. But we're going to read uh, uh, from Ephesians chapter number six to start out. Now, I have five points to this message. So, you know, I was real nerdy this week. Got five points to this message, um, but before we do all that, let's bow our heads and pray real quick. Uh, God, thank you for upsetting us. Amen. So, um, I want to give you uh, my definition for upsetter, okay? Here is my definition of what an upsetter is. It's very, very simple. A person who has been upset and upsets others. It's that simple. An upsetter in the kingdom of God is a person who has been upset by the power and transformative work of God and Jesus Christ, and they upset others. Now, again, I'm not using the word upset to talk about making someone angry, although if you adhere to uh, uh, the biblical precepts, laws, commands, decrees, instructions in the word of God, uh, you are bound to make someone <laughs> upset uh, who doesn't share the, belief system, the same belief system as you. Uh, but uh, by definition, an upsetter is a person who has been upset and upsets others. And I feel like there are five qualities or attributes of every upsetter uh, that is uh, indigenous to who they are when they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if they are going to lead an upset life and upset others, uh, they have to have these five things. If they don't have these five things, then um, I'm not sure they're upsetting correctly. Uh, Ephesians chapter number six, uh, starting at uh, the 23rd verse, point number, oh, so here's how I want you to set it up. Okay, I forgot to tell you that, okay. So um, I just want you to write upsetters and then a colon, and then I'll give you the five points, okay? So these are things upsetters do, and so I want you to have upsetters. Just do, you know how my nerd brain works. Just go with me. Okay, so uh, put upsetters in a colon. Uh, Point number one, upsetters love Jesus. Upsetters love Jesus. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter number six, verses 23 and 24. Uh, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May he give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Upsetters love Jesus. I'm not talking about uh, um, the the, the zealous type of love uh, that jumps on couches up and down. I'm in love with Jesus. Every time you see him, hey, how you doing? Bless God. Highly favored of the Lord. I'm head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Got everything going on in Jesus' name. We're at work. A simple good morning should suffice. Do not ask you for the declaration of your faith. It is 7 o'clock in the morning. 
turned down. For what? I couldn't resist it. I'm talking about the type of love uh, that is uh, intimate, that is personal, that is deep, that is reverential. I'm talking about the love that leads to faithfulness and fidelity in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the love that makes you change the way you live because you've fallen in love with Jesus. I'm not talking about the, the cultural Christian Jesus, the, 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 the necklace with the cross on it, rhinestoned, bedazzled, sparkling. I'm not talking about the tattoo, ah, you must have faith because you have a tattoo of Jesus. I, I, I'm talking about when you're all alone, and there's no one else around. There is a moment that you have in the morning, afternoon, or evening where you say, I, enough, I have to spend some time with Jesus. I, I, I must be in his presence. I, I have to read his word. I'm in love with Jesus. I, I, I'm in love with the person who saved my soul, made me whole, and it's caused me to change. I, I have, there's no way I would have done this on my own. There, something has had to have happened uh, to my heart because things that I would never be convicted of, I am now convicted of. Uh, things that I would never be concerned about before, I'm concerned about before. I, I, used to, I used to think that going to church was crazy and now I find myself in there every single weekend. I thought people who read the Bible were weird, and now I'm reading my Bible every single day. Love does crazy things to you. And the reason why uh, an upsetter can't be an upsetter without loving Jesus is because only people that are in love are infectious. The only people that follow people are people who find people who are really passionate about something. People that are not passionate about things don't have people follow them. But if you are passionate about something, people will follow your passion. Here's the thing about the kingdom that's so amazing. is The whole thing is upside down. We fall in love with Jesus and become so passionate after him that it starts to make people go, how, though? You? You. You love Jesus? Maybe there's something to it. This is why I love uh, the, the, the redemptive story of Christ in uh, everyone's individual way. Because every person that gives their life to Jesus uh, has the opportunity to shock other people who would never believe that you gave your life to Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was 20 years old. Um, uh, we went to the club every weekend. I, I was like a local and regional performer. I used to rap. And so uh, we, were in, we were in clubs every single weekend, okay? Um, and, and, and that was my life. On, on the weekends after uh, church, 
uh, coming from my parents' church, we went straight to Venice Beach. After Venice Beach, uh, we went to go eat at M&M's or Roscoe's, and after Roscoe's, then we cruised Crenshaw Boulevard to like 2 or 3 in the morning, wash, rinse, repeat. That was every weekend. On January the 14th of 1996, I came into church. I sat in the back. The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sins without a sermon or an altar call. I gave my life to Jesus, and my friends came to pick me up uh, after the service. They timed it. And they, they knew when they picked me up, we were going to go to Venice. And, and my brother had skipped church that morning. And uh, when, I, when they got there, they came up uh, to me. And, they, and, you know, my friend Steve, I gave him a hug. What's up, man? And then I gave my brother Miles a hug. And he looked at me. He went, oh, no. <laughs> he said, you didn't, you didn't, you, you did it, didn't you? He knew it. And I said, yeah, I did. He was like, oh, man. He was like, you know what? I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. respect that. Then he was like, we'll see you later. He jumped in the car with his friend. They went to the beach. In 24 hours, uh, my best friends were my parents, my Bible, and my PlayStation. Within 24 hours, everyone left me completely alone. They weren't being disrespectful. Quite the contrary. They were actually respecting the decision that I had made. And I respected them that they hadn't made the same decision. But let me tell you something. I fell in love. And the moment I fell in love, things changed. I immediately stopped going to the clubs. There was some other stuff that didn't come off as immediate as that. But, but, but there was something that started changing on the inside, and I was like, Lord, I'm in love with you, and I, if, if it means I don't have a friend, then I, I, I just want to pursue you. Let me tell you something. Love will make you change. And, and if you've somehow uh, 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 come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing about you has changed, you probably didn't meet him. It's that simple. We, we just talked about it last week with religion. Some people, they just never met him. I, I can see how you can come to uh, 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 a bunch of rules and regulations and never change. Because that leaves it in your strength, in your power, with your will and your way. But when you fall in love and you have your heart transformed, you're not even relying on your will and your way anymore. You're relying on someone else. But that's point three. We'll get to that in a minute. Point number two, write this down. Upsetters love people. They love Jesus and they love people. Now, when you say that, uh, there is usually the automatic default Christian response of absolutely we love people. We're all about people. We, 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 you know what? We're, we're, we love people. We might not love what they do, but, but we love them. Okay. So let me just give you a context so you have it. This is in red. So, I don't want you to think I'm saying it. It's going to get mad at somebody. You will be mad at Jesus. Matthew, chapter number 5, verse number 43, says this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. 
In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Point number two, upsetters love people. They love all kinds of people. They love everybody. They even love people that hate them. (laughs) Upsetters love people that despise them. Upsetters uh, uh, love people who are unlovable. Now, Now, how can you do that? We just talked about it in point one. You have to love Jesus to love people that don't love you. But, but, but I think this is a, is a crucial point if you're going to be a real upsetter because if you're only going after people, praying for people that are uh, uh, amicable to you, like you, respond well to you, you're never going to really advance the kingdom unless you start targeting people who are a little bit obstinate, rude, don't like you that much, got a little bit of anger issues, little attitude. Remember, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You get to change the atmosphere. And the way that you do that is by taking on the mind of Jesus and saying, I'm just going to love everybody the same way you did. It doesn't mean you have to like what they are saying or doing, but you have to love them. And you have to die to your will and respond with the nature and character of Christ Jesus. Now, uh, let me give you an example of this. Uh, I used to work uh, in L.A. at a place called JWT Specialized Communications. Uh, they, they, they dealt with advertisements and uh, magazine ads and things of that nature. Uh, I worked there as a temp. My friend Jeanette got me the job and uh, worked there, and there was uh, a little lady. She was She was... Maybe without her heels, maybe, maybe five feet. She might have been 4'11". And um, you always knew when she came to work because you would hear this sound. That little lady. I don't know if she put sound effects in her heels to give it that robust sound, but she... That's how she walked into work, and everyone knew the sound of those footsteps, and everybody would be like, (gasps) 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 She was mean, and she was, you know, she was a clock watcher. She was micromanagerial. You know, if you went to lunch at 1, you better be back at 1.59 and 59 seconds. I mean, she was just, she was just too much. Little lady was too much. And everybody was scared of her. And I was like, I don't see what the, why? Why are we scared of her? She's so, she's so sweet. No, she's not. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you're looking, you're looking at what she's doing. I'm looking way past that. And I'm like, we should just go after her. There was two or three uh, other believers uh, in, the, in the office. I said, man, we should just go after her. And they were like, go after her? You want to jump her after work? 
No. Redeem your flesh. No. It's not, it's not what I meant. I didn't, no, I didn't mean beat up a person that's five feet trying to leave work. No, we should go after her uh, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So, like, like, we can go after her and she doesn't even know it. Like, we can just start praying for her. We can start praying over this office. We can start doing some stuff. So, so let's get here early. Next couple of days, let's just pray in the office. Let's just break up some stuff, see if it works. Okay? So uh, we started doing that one week. And what happened, we would get there early. And uh, uh, I, I, we, we would uh, walk around and, and pray. And then I, I started taking a little bit of olive oil. Okay? And I was dabbing it. Not dabbing it. I was dabbing it. I was dabbing it on everybody's seat, okay? Not pouring oil all over it. People were walking in, why are there stains in my seat? Okay, now I did mess up one time. I, I, didn't, I didn't get the oil-heat ratio right. And so I had, I had stood up on the copy machine and uh, took some oil, on, and she had the big door. And I got up on my tippy toes from the copy machine, and uh, I, I put a little, you know, just a little cross there with the oil. Okay, uh... But I don't know if the heat up there made the oil spread, and it kind of it's coming, it's coming down. It's ridiculous. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Then I was like, she's five feet. She'll never see it. So, and we just prayed around the office that week. Okay. Here's what happened the next week. This is, you can't make this up. Um, we're going to get a lot of exercise today with this message. This was Monday. Okay, that was Monday. This was Tuesday. Okay, this was Wednesday. Now, you would think, oh, breakthrough. No, she was still stomping. Okay, now, I don't know what happened between Wednesday and Thursday, but Thursday was... It was, easing, it was easing up. This was Friday. Unbelievable. This was Friday. We didn't even know she had got to work. We were like, she's here? No one heard anything. That would have been a breakthrough enough, right? She stopped stomping. No, no. She comes out at lunch, and she's like, does anybody want pizza for, for lunch? <laughs> Who are you? She bought the whole office pizza. Within like three weeks, she was asking us to pray for her. I was gone by this time, uh, but Jeanette, who had got me the temp job there, Became dear friends with her. They started going to Bible study together. She started taking class. I mean, her, her, you know why? Because we just decided to love everybody. Not like, let's just get the Christian clique that's at our office and stay away from them because they don't love Jesus. They're just different. Can't stand them. God save them. How's he going to do it without you? 
Why would you deny them the very light they need to see him? Because they won't see him unless they see him in you. And if you're huddled in the corner, they won't see you. So love people. Let me tell you something. Love everybody. This is one of the most racially charged, politically crazy seasons that our country has ever seen. And people are mad at each other based on what they post on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, based on what the bumper sticker says. You could be in traffic, see somebody's bumper sticker and be like, stand him. It's a bumper sticker. Why are you mad? Love him. Because if you don't love him, his kingdom can't come to them. So upsetters love people. Point number three, write this down. Upsetters are spirit-filled. Upsetters are spirit-filled. This is Ephesians chapter number five, verse number 18. This is like the most concise passage verse that I could give you uh, for being spirit-filled without going into a whole uh, teaching on it. Uh, I did a teaching uh, when we first planted the church a series on the Holy Spirit. I'll do it again soon. Uh, but, but let me give you this one verse. Uh, 18 says this. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Booyah. You can turn. Just don't turn up. It'll ruin your life. But I want you to see the parallel. <laughs> like of all the things to parallel with the Holy Spirit, this is it, okay? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's about as simple as you can get it, okay? But, but, but why would he say, uh, why, why would he use as a comparative analysis a person of the Holy Spirit, wine? Uh, b- because alcohol has a counterfeit effect on your life and your body and your system that the Holy Spirit does. I want you to think about it. Anybody ever seen a drunk person? Let's be transparent. Anybody ever been drunk? (laughs) Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, Okay, real transparent moment. Who's been like ridiculously drunk, don't remember drunk, drunk? My daddy's raising his hand. Y'all better fall in line. (laughs) Y'all better get real. My daddy, front row. I have been redeemed. And I say so. (laughs) Thank you, Papa. Now, here's what I want to say. Okay? Why would he say, uh, don't be drunk with wine? Instead, instead of being drunk with wine, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Because they have the same effect. Uh, They both change your behavior, they change the way you walk, and they change the way you talk. You ever seen anybody that's been drunk? There's a behavioral change, 
Some people call it liquid courage. The way they walk changes, okay? And the way they talk changes. It's, it's amazing to me how many people are like, you know, in terms of uh, Christians are so like, you know, tongues is so taboo. But if you've been around a drunk person, it's pretty close. I just said, see, when you came and said, how did the cabinet so When he said, when they came in, listen, you know, when they got the cabinet so And then an interpreter has to show up, which is usually the aunt of your uncle. What he meant to say was, do you remember 10 years ago when we went on that RV trip and how much fun that we had? Wow. Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. This is in the Bible. I think we should all be spirit-filled. Okay. This is a spirit-filled church. This is a spirit-led church. Uh, and it's something that I don't want to be taboo to talk about. Uh, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can't upset anybody without the Holy Spirit because he's the upsetter. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 11, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. Let's just break that down. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Is Christ's resurrection the most upsetting thing that's ever happened in all of human history? Indeed it is. Who did it? The Holy Spirit. If you don't have them, you can't upset anybody. I don't understand anything about the Holy Spirit every time... Somebody talks about them, I don't get it, and I don't like, you talk about not having control, give your life to the Holy Spirit, let him control it. I don't like not being in control. Uh, Yeah, get used to that if you're going to walk with Jesus. Because the same way a drunk person is not in control, and it makes him do crazy stuff, people that are spirit-filled are not in control, they do amazing stuff. This is, this is why the comparative analysis is so brilliant to me that Paul uses. Hey, why not do that? That's a cheap imitation. The Holy Spirit will do the same thing. He'll change your behavior. He'll change the way you walk. You won't be stumbling around. You will walk upright. You will walk in a straight line. You will walk with integrity and character and morals. And it'll change the way you talk. And we're not just talking about tongues. Am I so scared? Oh, tongues. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the stuff you talk about. It'll change your conversation. You won't want to gossip anymore. You won't want to do rumors anymore. It'll change the way that you talk. Don't be scared of him. He kind of likes you a lot. Enough to live on the inside of you. See, See, you live with somebody. You live in a house with somebody. They don't live in you. The fact that he would want to live in you and you know you 
Because I know me. The fact that he would want to live in you and be patient with you and me. And you don't want to talk to him? That's just crazy. Can't be an upsetter unless you feel, okay? Thank you, Mommy. Point number four. (laughs) Acts chapter number 10, verse 38. Acts chapter number 10, verse number 38. Point number four is, upsetters do good. Okay? Upsetters do good. Acts 10, 38 says this. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who who, who is our chief example? Come on, y'all better know this one. This is going to be. Jesus, you can say it out loud. Don't be scared. Okay. Our chief example is Jesus. Here's what scripture just said. We know that Jesus of Nazareth was filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, and had power, okay? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus had him. We should have him. If Jesus had him, we should have him, Okay? Then Jesus went around, underline this, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, whether you have a church background or not, no matter what denomination you might have been raised in or what theological persuasion you might have leaned toward, um, it always seems to be split two ways. There there are the people that uh, love doing good works for Jesus and then there are the people uh, that just want all the power of Jesus and want to do miracles and, and, and cast out demons and heal those that are oppressed. And here's what I'm saying. Do both. I just want to make it real, real simple. <laughs> it's not either or. It's both and. Jesus went around doing good and healing all those that were oppressed by the devil. Do you know, w- without raising your voice, you have authority to heal those that may be oppressed by demons? You, just, you have that when you got in a relationship with him. It's not something you got to gotta work this up. The moment you became a citizen of heaven, you have all the rights of those that come from that country. And one of those rights is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not only for your own life, but to take authority over spiritual wickedness in high places. Because principalities in this world, but not at the expense of doing good. We shouldn't be so focused on that that we forget to just do good things. Upsetters do good all the time. This is like our lifestyle. This is like how we live. This is is how we want to go about our everyday life is, God, would you put me in a position to do good today? To be good to someone today. This is what I love about Jesus is Jesus was a do-gooder. That used to be like a negative connotation. You're a do-gooder. But Jesus was a do-gooder. Like, out of all the miracles he could have started with to just proclaim his messianic arrival, he goes to a wedding. (laughs) And he's like, hey, my mom said that y'all ran out of wine. 
So I'm just going to turn the water into wine. That's his first miracle ever. It wasn't blind eyes being open, a lame hand stretching out, a person that couldn't walk standing up, a dead body coming back to life. His first miracle was water into wine. Why? He's a good guy. That's just nice. Isn't that thoughtful? (laughs) It's a wedding going on. Everyone ran out of wine. Jesus happens to roll in. All the miraculous power embodied in Jesus could have done anything, could have been anywhere, is at a party and was like, they ran out of wine. Oh, we don't have any more. And someone would have to run down to the store to get something. He's like, I got it. I'm good. (laughs) What? Good. I got this. Wine. The water turns into wine. There's a bunch of people uh, that come out to see him. He's preaching everywhere now. Crowds are amassing everywhere. Jesus moved with compassion. He's like, they're hungry. He was like, we should feed them. His disciples were like, how? (laughs) It's 5,000 men, not including their women and any children that may be with them. There could have been uh, uh, potentially 12 to 15 to 18,000 people out there listening to Jesus' messages. And he's like, we should feed them. And they're like, "How? how? He's like, anybody got a lunch? Andrew comes up. He's like, I got two fish, five loaves of bread. He goes, sit them down in 50s. This is like hotel management 101. I mean, <laughs> Jesus has like restaurant experience. Sit them down in 50s, groups, great. And, and he blesses the bread. He breaks it, starts handing it out. This is a miracle. That bread and that fish does not stop until everyone has eaten. Everyone. Not like the first 10 people get it if they get in line early. There's registered seats for Jesus' conference. And so (laughs) if you didn't pre-register, you don't have a meal ticket. You won't get food service. The food truck's outside. But oops, you didn't get it. No, he fed everybody. That's That's just nice. It's just nice for me to follow you out into the middle of nowhere to hear you preach. And then you feed me. That's just a nice guy. It was nice for Jesus to be walking around, see a short man in a tree. (laughs) Tell him to come down and say, hey, man, I'm going to come over to your house for dinner. That's just nice of like the Messiah who has only been waited upon for about 4,000 years in the midst of everything he has to do before going to the cross. I'm going to have dinner at Zacchaeus' house because I just feel like it. That's nice. There's a religious man named Nicodemus who has questions about who Jesus is. Jesus was nice enough to hang out with the guy late at night and answer his questions because he's a nice guy. Upsetters do good. You should just be genuinely nice. I don't want to hear anything about that's just not my personality. I'm, I'm just not a people person. No, you're not dead yet. You don't get to be a believer in Jesus Christ and not be a people person. That's just not my, I'm kind of a standoffish person. Before you met Jesus, you were a standoff person. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you start making boundary lines in your mind, 
of where Jesus can and cannot have access? If you do it here, you will also do it there. And the enemy's looking for the markers that you make mentally. That was a good statement. Ooh, that was good. I'm going to say that again because I know I didn't come up with that. I don't have no notes on markers make mentally. That was great. <laughs> He's looking for the markers that you make mentally to see where you have drawn the line of not submitting to Christ's lordship. Because wherever you draw the line, he's going to create one for you to cross so you can be on his territory. Upsetters do good. So do good. Last one. Point number five. You guys ready for this? Quick recap from my nerds. Give me the first four points. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not a competition. There's no door prizes for this. Okay. All right, point number one, upsetters. Point number two, upsetters. Point number three, upsetters. Y'all are amazing. Point number four, upsetters. Okay, point number five, write this down. Upsetters love life. Upsetters love life. Turn to Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five, verse number two. Now, uh, I, I want to preface this scripture uh, by saying this. I, I struggled with uh, this particular point um, b- because if, if there's anything that I loathe more uh, as it relates to communicating the gospel message uh, is for a message to be motivational for the sake of being motivational. Uh, That motivation has to be uh, empowered by a person who is the Holy Spirit. Or, or, Or it's just a pep talk and we could have that anywhere. We don't have to get up on Sunday and be here at 10 and, and do all of that. Uh, and, so, and so when I thought about, you know, loving life as putting this message together, it, it just seemed to come out. Upsetters love life. But then I was like, well, I don't, I don't, that, wait a minute. That just sounds too like, just love life. Just go out there and get it. <laughs> love your life with a passion. Pursue it with abandon. You guys all heard all these sound bites. Just, just go after it, and Jesus be with you, no matter what. No matter what, and I'm a literalist too. So then I'm like, no matter what, I don't think Jesus be with you, no matter. I mean, my brain's okay. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me with love life, and He's like, okay, great, because I will. Ephesians five, chapter number two. I love this verse. Here it is. Okay, uh, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. Let me read it again. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So how can you love your life? Let me tell you how. Live a life following the example of Christ 
and you will love the life you live. That fixed the whole thing for me. If, 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 if I live a life filled with love, following the example of Jesus Christ, then I will love the life that I live. I, I, I can tell you of a certainty that before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, what I thought I was loving about my life, I really didn't. I love some parts of it. I love some highlights of it. But, but I wasn't in love with my entire life. When I gave my life to Jesus, started following his example, I started to love the life that I was living because I really had a blueprint on how to really live it. So when I tell you love life, upsetters love life. They should be zestfully enthusiastic about life. What I'm really saying is if, if you follow a life and live a life, Following the example of Jesus Christ, you will love the life that you live. Anybody besides me love their life? I'm really glad not everybody raised their hands. That's fantastic. But you can. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not going, you know, just ignore everything that's going on and, and just think happy thoughts. That's motivational. That's ridiculous. That doesn't last. That doesn't last. The joy of the Lord being your strength doesn't come from you getting in the mirror and just cheesing. I'm just going to be happy until I am happy. If I think positive thoughts, positive things will happen. If I think and have positive energy, it all. No, how about no? There's been some incredibly dark moments in my life. I didn't love those dark moments, but I still loved my life. And I loved my life because there's a person in it who completely overturned everything I thought about life and gave me a proper perspective on it. For that reason, and following his example, I, I really do love my life. Are there some things that happen that are bad? Absolutely. I'm not Superman. I don't wake up every morning like, this is the best day ever. Lego movie. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when you're living on a dream. I have an eight and six-year-old. <laughs> don't judge me. You want to love your life? Follow the example of Jesus. And you will love the life you're in right now. Well, you don't know my past and where I came from. Don't have to. You find Jesus, follow his example, and you will love the life you're in because, let me tell you something, he can redeem any life. So we're going to upset the world. We're going to upset the whole world. Right here from Irving, Texas. We're going to upset the whole world. And we're going to live our life as upsetters. And we're going to love Jesus. We're going to love people. We're going to be spirit-filled. We're going to do good. 
with a little bit of our life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?